and welcome to Running Inside Out Podcast, where we talk about the races we ran in, the races we're not in, and getting outside to see what's going on inside the Rochester running scene. In this episode, Jeffrey Macbeth spins a yarn about his accidental 50k and then his intentional 50k. From national parks and the great outdoors, to computers and the great indoors, to 380 pounds and triathlon training, Jeff takes us on a journey that required a strong heart and a strong support network. Along the way, we learn a little bit about his appreciation for data and computers, his deep love of family and service, as well as the trail running community. Being the serial amateur that he is, he also teaches us a bit about some other stuff, too. Before we get into the conversation with Jeff, I'd like to tell you about Josh Stratton. Yep, that's right. Strat is back for some more podcast sponsorship. Josh is a licensed massage therapist with his own office in Winton Place inside Sports PT. Use the secret code IRONMAN when booking to get $15 off an hour massage. Yep, 60 minutes for 50 bucks. That's Iron Man. Okay, now, um, why am I telling you about Josh? Well, as I gear up in mileage getting ready for Twisted Branch, I find myself with more and more midweek niggles that I need worked out before I head into those long back-to-back runs on the weekends. This week, it just so happened to be the psoas and the hips, which if you go back to past episodes, you'll notice that that's kind of a recurring theme with me. But, um, man, they were jacked this week. Well, Luckily, Josh, being a runner, knows right where to get at the spots, quickly and efficiently. I went in feeling tight and rickety, and I came out able to stand up straight again. So the dude knows his stuff, and he's also responsive to feedback. So you can go in there, talk to him, tell him how it's going, tell him what you like, what you don't like, uh, and he'll take that all in. Uh, So that's why I keep going back. Head out to his Facebook page at facebook.com slash Josh Stratton LMT, that'll also be in the show notes, to learn more and to book an appointment. Tell him you heard about it here on the podcast and use this month's secret code, Ironman. He'll give you $15 off the 60-minute massage. Yep, so 50 bucks for an hour, not too shabby. Let's get into the trails, training, food, friends, and yes, even feelings of Rochester runners. Yeah, I'll definitely have one of those ginger beers. That would be awesome. Uh, there you go. And there's the traditional Trails Rock bottle opener. That's classic. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So we don't. Thank you. We don't typically, you know, we we don't drink alcohol in our family, and um, most bottles like that that you acquire typically screw off. Yeah. And so we got a we got a case of this after um, Cayuga Fifty. Mm. And I, I I pull out these bottles and I'm like twist twist oh crap what am I going to do and so we scrambled everywhere just trying to find yeah. something that we could use to open them um, we we used um, oh shoot tongs in the <laughs> short emergency and then when I brought the rest of the case home we had to go digging and luckily you know Sheila had to given us one of these at some go. point so we found it Sheila Sheila knew you would eventually Sheila knew that sometime or another we would need a bottle opener. <laughs> So my thought for this is I think we could touch on the fact that you've discovered you can run 50Ks. Um, Then we could go back to 
Like what got you interested in wanting to even get to 50 Ks and what gets you around all these runners and outdoors? Mm -hmm. I think that is Boy Scouts and orienteering. It and, is a part of it. Yeah, absolutely. Right? And then um, sort of where are you going to go from here? And actually, I have notes for this one. Oh, wow. Do I need to get you the podium so you can uh, <laughs> yep. I can get you a music stand real quick? I brought partial notes myself. Oh, my goodness. He has printouts. So, uh, he has printouts. Stump, stumping for a company, which is silly. Have you ever heard of VeloViewer? Uh, uh, through through DC Rainmaker, I think. I yeah, heard. he might have brought it up. Yeah. Um, so they're a... Uh, they're, they're this little company. Uh, they actually just got announced to be uh, data providers for Team Sky. Okay, wow. Um, and okay. Of course, from the name, it's you know bicycling. Mm -hmm. um, and what he does is he hooks into the Strava API and provides a whole bunch of um, alternate views of your data. Oh, so is it like the Stravis, Stravistics guy? Yeah, okay. similar to that. And so, for example, actually probably the main reason I use this guy is this gorgeous little plot right here, which works really well for radio. But yeah, we'll put this in the show notes, I think. <laughs> so there's this gorgeous little plot here, and what it is, it's my cumulative distance for every single year that I've been running. And wow. so then I get to keep track, and I can, I can move my mouse around and see what each little jump was. Uh, if I put my mouse here, it shows me where I am compared to everything else. Okay. Um, I love this thing. Yeah. And it's not just distance. I can do time. Uh, I guess it's set to time for some stupid reason. But you can do time, distance, elevation, um, okay. pace, all those kinds of crazy things that as a computer science data nerd, I, I like looking at. I don't really act on a lot of it. But right. So how far back does that, how far back does that go? As far as I know, it goes all the way back. So when did you start running? I started running in 2000, uh, almost exactly six years ago, 2011. Okay. So you have six years of accumulated data there. And is does what role does the data play in sort of motivation? Is it, or, yeah, is it's, it just it's, kind of like a trophy or is it like a reassurance or what is it? I, probably goals help me. Yeah. Um, Short-term panics help me even more, and I can talk about that in a second. <laughs> but um, goals help me quite a bit. And, uh, and so, um, what, I guess, three years ago, I started setting distance goals. And, you know, I was like, you know what? I, I'd like to try to double my running output, which at that point was going from about 250 miles, which I'd done the previous two years and doubling it up to 500. Mm -hmm. um, and so that was just kind of my goal. I did the math, divided out how much I needed to run every week, and then was just kind of tracking that. Um, and so that started helping a lot with my consistency Yeah. because um, I wasn't very consistent before. So was there anything that got you to doing 250 miles a week or was it just being outside that you were doing it? So um, not, of, not been a very athletic person in my life at all. Okay. Um, the... Uh, I, I Most did, of us computer science people yeah, don't. <laughs> yeah, I, I I fit that horrible trope of the you know the fat the fat guy down in the basement eating Cheetos kind of a thing. Yeah, well, um, that's you know, not a bad hobby either. Quite what, what's that evil day star I've heard so much about? <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, and I, I was happy. You know, I, I love love working with computers. I love working with math. I'm one of those crazy. I'm I'm every high school student's worst nightmare. Right. You know, when am I ever going to use this in my real life? Well, let me tell you what I did today. <laughs> um, and so I grew up in a family that really liked the outdoors. My father my father started off being a double E. 
And then um, partway through his college, he switched over to range management. Um, he'd been doing forest fires with the Forest Service, uh, you know, it was a summer job and took that up as his career. And so he's spent his whole life, you know, managing the, the national forests of the country. And so us as kids growing up, Summertime was fire time, and so if you wanted to see Dad, you went out into the woods. Um, oh. A lot of our vacations were out in the woods. Um, Thanksgivings, <laughs> come, watch, come watch Dad work. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Thanksgivings. Um, after a little while, we kind of got tired of the traditional, you know, giant turkey and everything. And so what we would do is we'd go to the national parks and hang out with the foreign tourists, checking out the beauties of the country. Um, and so you know, we'd be there, and everyone around us is speaking French or Chinese or whatever oh. country was around right then. Um, and so. And you know, there's a stronger family connection um, even there. My grandpa and grandma started right after they got married, went to the Tetons and just fell in love with the place. And so just every year that we could, you know, we'd, we'd go up with them and celebrate not so much their anniversary, but just celebrate them. You know, it didn't happen to be on that date, but it was, you know, celebrate their love of the outdoors, celebrate their love of each other. Um, you know, when they turned, when they hit their 50 year anniversary, you know, the whole family went up and was in the Tetons celebrating. So the outdoors has always been a part of me. Yeah. Um, but um, athletics, not so much. I, I did a year, I guess technically two years in high school of basketball, which, oh, you know, that's athletic. I was well, in you're, this, you're tall. You're not I'm, exactly. I'm, I'm tall. It's the <laughs> obvious choice to take. Um, I was one of those slow lumbering centers that could take a charge really, really well. Because <laughs> when I fell, everybody knew it. <laughs> um, but so that, so the outdoors, is that, I mean, is that where your orienteering background comes from? Is just sort of like you're out in the middle of the woods with the family and figure yeah. out where to go? Yeah. So, you know, with the, with the family, it was, you know, we'd, we'd, we'd go on a, these, you know, the little day hikes that are all throughout all the parks. And we'd always laugh at the estimated time because we were pretty good at fast hiking this stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, we'd just carry a, you know, once bottled water became a thing, we'd carry a bottle of water. But before that, it was nothing. Yeah. And it was just hike in, see the beauty, hike back out kind of a thing. Um, as a youth, it was Northern California, uh, up near um, Coloma and Placerville, which is right where the Western States goes just north of that. Yep. Oh, and that's where you grew up? Yeah. So I grew up, it's, it's, it's these foothills. Most of it's turned into wine country now these days. Um, but, you know, lots of snow in the winter, beautiful pine trees. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we were an hour from South Lake Tahoe, and that was, a, you know, another common vacation spot is up around Lake Tahoe. Yeah, wow. Um, so... Outdoors is definitely a part of me. Uh, orienteering came with scouting more than anything. Okay. Um, you know, it's a skill that they've required near, since near the beginning, and it's fun. Um, I, I find maps have gotten good enough that for typical, I'm going to find out otherwise soon, but for typical meets, you don't actually need a compass very much. Well, I don't. You know, got, I have a good enough sense of direction that I can keep the map very well oriented. You know, you run around Menden Ponds Park or Webster Park, you know, where... You know, we're back where your car is kind of a thing. And so it's orienteering for me these days is this beautiful mix of a little bit of a puzzle, figuring out how to efficiently get from place to place and trail running. And mm -hmm. it's, it's in, in the sequence of things that I fell in love with, certainly I fell in love with orienteering before I fell in love with trail running, which I wouldn't say has truly happened till this year. <laughs> I, would, yeah. I would run, I mean, honest to goodness, my running has been 90% trail running for a couple of years now, right. but I ran for the... I ran because I liked the outdoors, and I ran because I needed the exercise. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I, if anyone asks me, I tell them I hated running. Right. And I don't think it's till this year that I just needed to come to terms with the fact that I don't hate running anymore. 
Yeah, because I remember last year at, you ran zero SPF yeah. last year. You weren't exactly chipper and happy at the end of zero <laughs> SPF. <laughs> that thing was uh, zero SPF. Um, I guess I don't know if it was inaugural or the first public zero SPF is when I first started running with Trails Rock and. Um, I decided I wasn't ever going to be able to do it uh, just because of the scheduling. Um, it's the same weekend as the uh, Rochester uh, Kids Triathlon, and that was kind of my sport when I started. I mean, this is coming out, you know, weird order of story, <laughs> but um, when, I, when, I decide, when I decided I needed to start exercising, uh, triathlon was the sport that I picked up. Um, Ooh, yeah. jump, jump right in. Yeah, basically my 2011, my sister said I was – 380 pounds at the time. Um, and uh, my si- my younger sister, probably with concern about me, but I don't really know, yeah. said, hey, brother, why don't you do a sprint triathlon with me? And then just to allay my fears, like, they'll let you do it as a relay so we can each do one leg or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I started, I said, sure, because I can't say no to my sister. No? And, um, Does your sister know that? Oh, yeah. Okay. (laughs) My wife knows that. You know, family knows that. They know how to manipulate me. That's what family's for. (laughs) Um, And so I started started running. I started swimming. I started biking because I was looking around. In a sprint triathlon, now I can say, oh, it's only, you know, (laughs) quarter, third of a mile swim. It's only 10, 12-mile bike. It's only a 5K run. Um, I was looking around, and I'm 380 pounds. Guy never saw the outside if I could – um, manage it and like I got to do something and so I started I, I had about a year to get ready and so I started you know running swimming and biking um, and so so really fell in myself and my wife both fell right into the triathlon groups fairly quickly you know it was I say groups that we were tra- we were just training on our own um, but you know that was really our love we got we got our boy involved he had broken his Isaac had broken his leg. Um, it healed fine, but he came back with the limp whenever he walked all the time. And so we got him involved just, you know, as a sneaky parental attempt to get him to even out his uh, musculature on his legs. Um, so we got him involved in triathlons, and the Rochester Kids Try is the same week in a zero SPF. So that would have been 2012, 2013, somewhere in there. Let's go with 2013. Um, I heard about the zero SPF. I found, I said, well, that's not anything I can ever do because we got to get Isaac to this, um, to, to this triathlon. And then, um, the, uh, the church that I belong to church, of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, um, from the beginning of zero SPF has been a sponsor. I don't know if we are a sponsor this year, but either sponsor or, uh, running the, um, aid station right here at the dumpster. Yeah. They're, they're, they're currently bringing you this podcast as well. Sponsoring the studio today. <laughs> <laughs> the studio is sponsored um, by. Through, um, Kevin Clausen, who used to run with uh, trails rock quite a bit. Okay. And so he got the whole sponsorship thing set up. And then um, he got asked to go to Africa to um, basically live with the people there, help help them with their you know financial and spiritual needs. Um, and so we didn't want that the church's relationship with Zero SPF to stop. And so last year, uh, Elnora, t- my wife, took over the aid station uh, and then brought in the youth group to actually run it. And so all of a sudden, my family wasn't involved in the try anymore. We, we needed to be here. And so last year, I got the opportunity to 
run zero SPF for the first time, and it was stupid hot. It was so, and it was so muggy. So muggy, and Laura so Howard muggy. saving my life by dumping ice down my uh, yeah, she buff. Gave, she gave me some ice too. Put it in my little hat. Yeah, I, and I, I discovered a. It's probably a normal feature of people that run, but um, I, I remember running back, and there's that part where you drop down, not off of Woodcliff, but you're dropping down that hill into Mosley, and I'm just thinking, you know, if I just tripped and fall and broke my wrist right here. I could drop and it would be honorable. No one would think bad of me for dropping right here. Yeah. And, you know, I dropped down, went a little further, and there was, um, oh, Weldon. Yep, Mike and, Weldon. And he's cheering me on. I was like, oh, I can do this then. And yeah, just kind of kept going. I got an update from Weldon that said, all right, Macbeth has just crossed her kill. He's <laughs> coming. I was like, all right. Yeah. Uh, and, and that, for me, more than anything, has turned into a surprise is just the people. Mm-hmm. I'm I, I'm not a people person by any stretch. I don't know. You're a pretty nice guy. I it fake might, it well. You know, and maybe, and it might be. You know, I mean, I think, I think a common misconception of introverts is they don't like people. Right. right. It's just that it takes a lot of energy to be around people. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There's there's a, there's a great internet meme out there which is just the description of you know an introvert and it shows this person inside this giant hamster bubble mm-hmm. so, you know this is an introvert and they just need some space and yeah. they still like people it's just, just and uh, the, the Trails Rock community in particular has been so amazingly inviting and welcoming and supportive that I'm the only way that I'm who I am right now as a runner is because of. My wife, of course, but Trails Rock, too, and the people that are involved in it. Uh, there's no way. Yeah. Well, I think that's – that's, but it's it's also on you. I mean, it, your sister got you doing that yeah. triathlon, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, like, let's not mess around there. But at the same time, you know, I think it is – that support is important. Yeah. But you could have easily been like, oh, all those runners, yeah, they're just saying that because they're trying to be nice. Yeah. And then just ignore it, right? So there's oh, a little bit of there's a little bit of a you in there as well. Well, and you know um when I, when I, when I when I finished up the Palmer's Pond 50k, I, I I called it my accidental 50k. Yeah, so let's recap real quick. Oh, I'm like, sorry. Yeah. Well, no, that's good. Like well cuz we want to get to present day cuz I think present day is a lot of fun, but we like you said we went a little bit out of order and I want to make sure like I I think I put the story together which is you grew up outside, hanging out with family, traveling to the national parks, wandering around the day trails, outpacing all the day hikers, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, then eventually you fell in love with computers. You went to RIT. U- right? University of Utah, actually. Oh, you went to University of Utah. Yeah. Okay, you did not go to RIT. Nope. First okay. place of the internet, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was Al Gore's house. No, no. <laughs> University of Utah was one of the initial five that founded ARPANET. Yeah. Um, if you're involved in computer graphics at all, they've got the Utah teapot, which is a classic um, model that is used for 3D graphics to prove your new algorithms and stuff. Um, so they've been heavily involved in um, networking and uh, computer graphics from the beginning. From the very beginning. Yeah. The OG. And I'd like to – now it sounds like I'm really proud of my alma mater or whatever. But <laughs> well, you should be. Yeah. I mean, hey, you it's know. It's a good school. Yeah, that's cool. Okay. So then you got into computers. Mm-hmm. Uh, sort of took a break from the great outdoors yeah. for a little while. Yeah. Um, sister came along, chased you out into a triathlon. Yeah. Um, after that first triathlon, were you like 
This is totally awesome. Thank you, sis. Let's sign up for the next one. Yeah, we were, we started talking about the next one almost immediately. Um, I I planned looking at myself and what I had done and what I knew I had done in the past because you know I was one of those horrible people that high school or junior high when they make you do the fun runs I'd always be the one that didn't make it in time. Mm-hmm. Um, the um, I looked at it and sprint triathlon again quarter quarter mile swim, 10-ish mile bike, and a 5K run. I looked at that, and, well, okay, that's probably the rate I'm going right now, an hour for each sport. I need three hours to get this done. Um, and on that first one, for whatever reason, they sent the ladies out first. I don't even remember why. Um, and I get done with the swim, and it, the swim went really, really great. It was out in Cape Cod. There was a current, and it was really <laughs> fast. Um, I get on my bike and almost immediately hear about this lady that had crashed up ahead. And my mind immediately switched over to, oh, crap, it's my wife. Uh-huh. And so I busted through that bike and run trying to either catch up with whoever was injured up ahead or get back to the finish line so I could find out who it was and make sure she was okay. And so I very much beat that three-hour goal. Oh, wow. Um, and, yeah, we got done. We were exhausted just Mm-hmm. Totally beat up, but um, convinced that this was fun um, and that this was something we needed to continue to do. Just we recognized the health benefits we were all getting already and wanted to keep doing it just to to force us to 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 get our health back into shape. Because mm-hmm. um, I wasn't. I, I, I'd lie to myself that I was healthy, but I I, I most certainly was not. Mm-hmm. So you didn't do it like, oh my goodness, I love the trails and I want to see how fast I go. You were like, uh, I need, I need to change some things. Yeah, um, yeah. It, it, it was, it was that change because, um, yeah, um, trails. It took me a little while longer to figure out. Uh, Fleet Feet used to have a, a spring race called the Spring Classic Duathlon, mm-hmm. which was a two mile run, a ten mile bike, and a one mile run down in Minden Ponds. Um, and they, um, the run, the course was you start at Stewart Lodge, you run down the grass down to the boat ramp, up that road onto the grassy hills, and then up and down the grassy hills back. That was, that was the course. And I'd done all road running up to that point, and I hit that grass and, you know, get the drag from the grass. I'm like, this is horrible. Do people actually do this? <laughs> and I'm just totally totally wiped out from that run. My wife ended up dropping in the middle of the, the bike just from exhaustion. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I got done and all well, that sucked. And then I realized, you know, those two miles that I ran were a lot harder than a normal two miles. Maybe this is what those cross country people are doing mm. and started doing internet searches to find out, you know, running off road. Um, and I was lucky enough that, uh, Trails Rock had, I think fairly recently set up their website at that point. Um, and I went searching and they had the name of the four founders on there. And, uh, I've known Ron Herkins since 2004 and his name was on there. Um, so like, well, I know him, I can go check this out. Um, now I say, I know, I, I knew Ron Herkins. I knew Ron Herkins as in I'd met him. We'd said, hi, Right. Um, from time to time, we'd see uh, Elise and the kids at like a swimming pool or something, and we'd chat. But Ron and I, you know, the typical male thing, had ignored each other and not even acknowledged <laughs> each the, other's the presence. Wi- the wives are friends with each other. Yeah, 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 for, for probably about nine years. Yeah, wow. Um, and so um, the very next Tuesday just happened to be uh, Trails Rock was running down at Mendham Ponds, and I was with uh, the church youth group loading kayaks and canoes in and out of the pond for them. Um, and so, you know, in typical... 
really skilled um, people person fashion, I walked right up to Ron, said, hey, Ron, how are you? How's Elise and the kids? And he looked at me, no idea who I was. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, you did the right, you did the right thing. I'm I'm glad I introduced myself to him, but I can't imagine much more stalkerly thing to do than, hey, how's your kids doing? I mean, but if you look, if you, if you go and research introducing yourself online, it will say, you know, introduce yourself. Uh, address the person, ask them something nice about something you might have in common. Yeah. You know, I mean, these are, these are the guidelines. You did it fine. <laughs> are you sure they're doing okay? <laughs> <laughs> have, hi, Ron. Have you seen your kids lately? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and so, so that was my end of trails. Um, I started running with the Wednesday morning group. Oh my goodness. Um, because That's- Tuesday nights are busy for me almost always. Um, this this is kind of the Tuesday nights are the youth night. It's Tuesday, everybody. Um, tu- <laughs> this is supposed to be an evergreen podcast. Yeah, you've now disclosed our location and what day of the week it is. Now they're going to come get us. <laughs> um, so so Tuesday nights are the youth night, and so almost invariably, well, at this point it will be invariably. So my wife's been taking care of youth groups. I'm I'm taking care of Boy Scouts, and our boy is now twelve, and so he's involved in the youth groups. And so Tuesday nights are just out. Wednesday mornings was my opportunity. Right. Um, and it turned, and so I was running. Um, and it happened to be a rather auspicious morning. It was right over here at Garnsey Road, um, just a little to Chair Hill and back. And it happened to be uh, the first time um, Ryan Van Corlin ran with Trails Rock. It was the first time HBO ran with Trails Rock. First time Sherry Shackow ran with Trails Rock. Um, it was the beginning. Yeah, we'd all shown up there, uh, ran that route, all just about died going up and down those hills. Um, ben <laughs> and, wasn't there for whatever strange reason. Mm. And, but you all came back. And yeah, we all came back and we're all sticking around with this thing. Yeah, so it must be, it must be something. Yeah. So um, you mentioned uh, youth night and, um, you know, it, you mentioned the church and, uh, Boy Scouts, and it seems very much um, service is sort of a big part of your life as well. In addition to computers, in addition to now running, there's also a very big service component. What's that all about? Um, so a lot of it's going to be, you know, just upbringing and culture that I grew up in. Um, we emphasize it quite a bit. Uh, in fact, uh, just this I guess last Sunday, uh, my my oldest there there once a month there's an opportunity in church to stand up and talk about your feelings about the church and Christ and all those kinds of things. And he stood up and talked about how a couple of weeks ago he'd gone down to Cayuga Fifty, and um, how he showed up and he was running around goofing off. And then he said, and then I did an experiment and I went and worked at the aid station for a while. I was going to do an hour of goofing off and an hour of the aid station. And I was working at the aid station. And I learned that I really like working at aid stations because I like helping idiots. <laughs> and um, at this point, we're, we're just mortified because we have no idea where this is going. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's got free mic up there. Yeah. And so, you know, he then goes on to talk. I'm, I'm a bit of a runner now. I'm going to do my first 10K tomorrow. And then the next thing that he said is that I found out down at Cayuga that serving other people makes me happy. Um, which makes me really happy because that's the feeling I want to have. That's why I serve because um, I think it was uh, 
Adam Savage was talking and on his little podcast about a little podcast. Yeah, yeah no, it's not nearly as big. Well, as this nearly one. as big. I, I, they should try harder on that Patreon thing. Yeah, it's not nearly as big as this one. So he was talking about how there's oftentimes in his life where he feels like other people aren't serving him enough. They aren't, you know, paying attention enough to his needs. And he was talking about how he realized as part of his life that when he's feeling that way, it's time for him to actually turn outwards and start helping other people more because then it'll reciprocate and everything will be kind of a virtuous cycle. And so, um, you know, there's lots of times in my life where I've felt down, tired, unhappy, and I just find that when you go and forget yourself and help other people that life finds a way to get better. And, you know, this the cynical thought is you find out how much more miserable everyone else is, but I think there's something more to it than that. Yeah. So it's like, oh, look at these miserable saps. I guess I ain't got it all that yeah, bad. It can't be that bad. Right. At least I've got a roof over my head, or at least <laughs> right. I've got enough blood to give. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, but but yeah, but I, I think there's something more to it than that. I I, just, I definitely think there is. You know, and I mean, and it's the littlest things as well. I mean, it can go as big as like what you're doing with running Boy Scouts. I mean, that's. That's shaping the generation. You know, you guys are showing them how to hang up flagpoles. There are flags on the flagpole today. That was pretty solid. But it can go all the way down to uh, Cayuga saying, uh, you know, great job running up a hill to somebody. All of a sudden, they're like, oh, I feel good. But you know what? I feel good when I say great job to them as well. Yeah. Because if you genuinely mean it, if you just say great job because you feel like you want to run past them and you have to say something, maybe you don't get that good of a feeling. So there was this guy at the Irondequit 10K. He he ran, he was a fast guy, like 40 minutes something or other. I mean, from my point of view, really stupid fast. (laughs) Came around, finished, did that usual finisher thing where you start coming back that Usually it's kind of annoying. But he, he walked probably 50 yards away from the finish line and then stood there and applauded people as they came through. And it wasn't just good job as every single person came through. This gentleman, I have no idea how, came up with something different to say to each person that came through. <laughs> I'm just there in shock. Yeah. You know, I don't have those kind of mad skills. Right. But he, he said something meaningful to each and every one of those people. I'm sure it helped. Yeah. And it's a little thing like that. I mean, all the way up to the top. So there is there is something more than just, you know, like, ooh, I gave. That means I'm going to get something back. Right, right. You know? like, so that's cool, though. I mean, it does seem, you know, for me in, in my observances, I wonder when the heck you have time to run. Like, when do you train and end up with an accidental 50K? Well, the, the nice thing about the accidental 50K is – it's accidental because I had no intention of doing it. Right. Um, what happened? So well, what's your, what's your training? So, like so, gen- so training, what's your running schedule. Um, like? I'm usually running Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, where Tuesday gets a swim and Thursday gets a bike in the summer. Jeez. Um, well, but I'm not, ru- <laughs> I'm running slow. So I'm probably running lots of time compared to people, but I'm not doing great distances. Um, cause again, I'm, I'm slow. But I don't mind that. I've never been last, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's uh, yeah. It's it's fitting it in the mornings. Um, that that actually worked. There was a while there a couple years back. Uh, yeah. So uh, one of the things that we do is when you are ninth grade through twelfth grade, uh, there's this thing called seminary, and what you do is each morning you go to a class. Each morning before school, you go to a class. You read the scriptures. You talk about what they mean to you. Um, the intention is very similar to what the word seminary means for Catholics and stuff. You know, it's training to be essentially, a, you know, for them, it's training to be a priest. And the, the, our church has a lay, lay ministry. And so everybody 
is training to become a leader because that's what's going to happen. Um, and I got asked to teach that class. And so every morning I would get up and these kids would show up at the high school at six in the morning and we would spend an hour talking about scriptures. Um, and so the only the, the reason I bring this up is this happened to coincide almost perfectly with me starting this this running um, tradition that I had. And so I would be getting up much earlier than I was because, you know, computer guy, I fell into the very night owl tradition. But all of a sudden I was getting up at, you know, five so I could be ready at six at the school, teach this class. And then from seven to, you know, nominal sort of work, which is eight or nine, I had this beautiful gap of time where I was not home, was not needed at home, and was not needed at work. And so what I could do is I could go down to like Linear Park and go run some miles on that trail right there um, or run some of the hills up on uh, Panorama Plaza. Um, there's a nice mile, mile and a half constant uphill on the roads there. Um, and so that, that was the plan is I'd get up, I'd go, I'd go teach this class, I'd go run, I'd shower and then go into work. And so that's where I fit everything in. Um, I'm not doing that anymore. I'm doing Boy Scouts, but that waking up early tradition has continued for me. Um, and so typically runs happen early in the morning. Um, they're never midday or afternoon. It's either really early in the morning or after the kids are in bed that I'll run. So you, so you do nighttime runs as well? Yeah, yeah. I, I've sort of stopped nighttime runs after a couple uh, couple brushes with car mirrors and uh, blinding car headlights. So. Oh, well, yeah. I abandoned the roads as completely as I could mm-hmm. once I decided I liked ro- trail running a lot more. Yeah. And so obviously car, if you get car lights on trail running, you're in really <laughs> big trouble. <laughs> Um, and so that, that you've got to go back to Jeff Macbeth's orienteering class. That <laughs> happens. Yeah. The, uh, yeah. So you don't have the car lights. You've got the roots and the branches and the, mm-hmm. you know, I'm a tall guy and number of times I rammed my head into a tree at night yeah. at night is just, I, I, I typically wear a ball cap to get just that, you know, eighth inch warning before I, <laughs> before I whacked. Uh, yeah. Okay, so then we start. Um, let's talk about this Palmer's Pond 50K. I mean, that's what people paid for. Yeah. So let's. Um, so before we get there, sorry. Last year you did Finger Lakes 25K. Years ago. Two years ago you 25K. did Finger Lakes 25K. Yep. Okay, so you're sort of starting to see this longer distance thing as a thing for you, right? Yeah. I mean, 25K, the 14-miler at SPF, you're starting to realize you like spending time on these trails. Yeah. So why not go down to some weird guy's um, trail race in the middle of, you know, Wellsville or, you know. West Almond? West Almond, near Wellsville, the uh, suburb of bustling Wellsville. <laughs> West Almond's a suburb of Almond, which is clearly yeah. a suburb of <laughs> Alfred, I think. Yeah, right. Which so, is, yeah. so we're down in the southern tier down here. Yeah. Um, now, you went down there with no intention of running it. Nope, no intention of running it at all. Um, so when Colin first announced the Palmer's Pond 50K, uh, Ron wrote back and said, hey, I'd really love to go. I'm down to one car. I don't know if I can make it. And so I'm like, well, I can bring you. Mm-hmm. And so, so the plan was that I was going to basically be, provide transportation for Ron. And then while I'm there, I may as well you know, crew and learn a little more about aid stationing and crewing uh, ultra runners. Um, and then at the last second, I think with two days to go, Ron ended up, he, he got really busy with some other stuff and wasn't able to come. And I had committed myself to going down there and crewing and aid stationing. And so um, 
I drove down anyway because you know I, I was committed and I'm an honorable man kind of a mm-hmm. thing. You know, it's it's that it's that ridiculous uh, that service. Yeah, um, and so I went down and the I had I had on my personal schedule to run eight ten-ish miles that day. And so, you know, I showed up and kind of talked to Colin. I had already told Colin that I wasn't planning on running the whole thing. Um, and I figured what I'd do is I'd go out, and each loop was about five and a half miles. So it's just about perfect. I could run, run both loops and, you know, just see what the route was going to look like for everyone else. And then I could, you know, settle down and help everybody. Um, but uh, I, it's not what happened. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I got about... I got about halfway into the first loop, and I found I couldn't run anymore, um, which has made me hesitate to call it an ultra run, and we can talk about self-doubt all you'd like. Um, I injured myself, shoot, a year and a half ago, I, I rolled my ankle really, really bad at a snow cheap, and um, I, I kind of was doing that dumb thing where I was letting it heal just enough that I could move and then re-rolling yeah. it. Oh, yeah. And uh, at, at some point I decided I'm going to do what's right. I'm going to put this thing in a brace and keep it in a brace till it's healed, um, which was also a really bad idea. Because when I pulled that brace off, um, by then my, uh, my form had changed up completely. I managed to uh, tear my left calf in, back in January of this year. And I, then I remember that. I remember <laughs> And then um, shortly thereafter, but you were walking during Medved Madness. You were yeah. you were able to walk. Yeah, and then my uh, my uh, the the right the the plantar fasciitis stuff down here, the plantar fascia plantar fasciitis would be the uh, inflammation of that. So basically, the bits that connect into my heel on my right foot once I pulled the brace off, that was all weakened, and so that got damaged too. So I got about two and a half miles into the first loop of 10 miles that I was going to do down there and I couldn't run anymore. Um, so I just started walking and I finished that first loop and it was a beautiful day. I had another loop to do. So I did the second loop. Um, and on that second loop, I happened to be with, uh, Mike Vallone cause he was back there with me and we were chatting a little bit and somehow in my head I had got it that he was just he was a short time or two. He was just going to do a lap or two and then hang out. And so, you know, like, so how many laps are you thinking of doing? And he looked at me like I was crazy. I said, well, all of them. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, there had been some other things that some other people had said. Eric had talked about he was going to just, you know, kind of go down there and run a 50K just for fun. Um, ben Murphy had suggested, well, you know, while you're down there, you may as well. So just this little niggling seed got stuck in my head yeah that's the other part of the uh trails rock support culture isn't <sighs> it? is the uh yeah you could do it go give it a try you yeah know? like hey you're you're better than that do a little bit more well you know the first the fir- stepping to another run real quick the first time i ever did the the first time i ever did two loops at the um menden trail run Sorry. No, the first time I ever did two loops at the Menden Trail Run, I came in from that first loop and was cramping and was tired and cranky. And there was Eric shouting, you know, as usual, one more loop. <laughs> like, well, now that he's told me, I guess I have to go do it. So I'll I, go do another go one. Go do another one. Yeah. Um, but that's become a kind of fun part of the spectating with them. Um, so, you know, the mud, was, the mud was icky down there. The temperature was wild and crazy. Uh, but as it, but as it was going, um, there I had commitments in the evening. But you know, I, I was doing the math, and I knew 
that I could at least get another loop in and, you know, make it to my commitments just fine. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I kept, I kept checking the time. I kept checking how I was feeling, and I was feeling good. And my plan was to do a 50K this year. That was my big goal. I've had it for a couple of years now, basically since running the 25K, is that this was going to be my year that I hit a 50K. Um, and my plan was to do a 50K at Finger Lakes 50. Um, I've, I've, I've done the Finger Lakes 25 I've been hiking on those trails. They're muddy, nasty messes where you can go in up to your kneecap if you're not careful. Um, they're hot because they're the 4th of July weekend. And I'm looking at Palmer's Pond, and the weather is cold but perfect. You know, it was, it was, it was hovering right on the edge. of We'd get these crazy whiteout blizzards and then a little bit warm. But it was that, you know, that temperature you can manage really, really well as a runner. Yeah. And I'm looking around and like, there's no way I can guarantee I'm going to get weather this good at Finger Lakes 50. Yeah. Why am I waiting until the Finger Lakes 50 to get a 50K? And so, you know, the timing was working right. The weather was working right. The mud was icky, but I was walking. So what did I care about mud? I could just keep walking. You know, the people that were trying to go fast, um, yeah, they were miserable, but I wasn't trying to go fast. I was just trying to go. Yeah. And so I just kept going. Um, so so my, my, my other main concern then was I'm always terrified about being a burden yeah. to people. Um, I don't have a good, you know, it's that, that, that people person skills. I don't have a good gauge on that. And so it's one of those things I'm constantly terrified about. And so coming in on these loops, um, there's, there's basically a loop and a half to go before I would actually hit a 50K. I finish this loop. I'm going to have a trail marathon, which is going to be much further than I've ever gone before because my record had been the uh, 25K two years ago. Um, and so that would be a really great achievement, and I didn't want to be a burden. And I knew that if everyone, came, if everyone was done and I decided to go on, then I was going to be holding people there another couple hours as I, as I went out on this loop. And so, you know, I, I'm, I'm running through my head this list of things that would have to happen to get me out on that last loop. And I've written about this, I think, but, you know, it was like, well, I need, I need Valone to still be out on the trail because I, I know I can count on him. I need, I need HBO and her crew to still be out on the trail. Um, it would be really nice if I could get some food be really nice if someone called my wife and told her that 10-mile plan had gone horribly wrong. and Horribly um, right. Horribly. Yeah, horribly right. And um, I'd really, really like it if the Trails Rock folks that were there, because there were a lot of them, would take up the whole, you know, one more loop kind of call thing. You know, just for old time's sake. And I, I came into that aid station and – try not to cry. <laughs> um, I came into that aid station and um, – Sheila had finished. Eric was sitting there. They started calling out the one more loop. Valone's not there. HBO's not there. Um, and the people that were still there just swarmed me immediately. They were shoving food into my pack. They were filling up my water bottles. I, I had a choice. <laughs> you had no I choice. I had a choice. But all, my, my whole thing that was going to guarantee me to get out of finishing. Yeah. All your list was fulfilled. Yeah, all my list was fulfilled. And so I start, you know, I start going out on that last loop and Colin looked like just a little child. <laughs> I can't, just the smile on his face, that was enough to get me out. I mean, honestly, all the other stuff was gravy, but he was just so excited. He's following me with the cameras, taking pictures. All right, I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll go get this done. And it yeah. was, you know, I'd, you got to choose the order you did your final loops. And so I picked what I considered in my head the easier loop. Mm -hmm. um, and so I went out on that um, and it was, it was a, 
beautiful, beautiful day. The trees were great. The birds were awesome. Yeah. The mud wasn't bad. Mm-hmm. And so I come, I come up this very last rise, and there's, there's Valone coming. He always has his big celebration. He's coming in doing his big celebration. And I just start screaming because I am so happy to see Valone coming in. I just... <laughs> You know, I, I usually miss them. I'm, I'm either too slow or gone because I was doing a shorter distance. And there he is, you know, finishing his yeah. 50K and so ecstatic. Yeah. I'm just screaming for him and so happy. And then I suddenly realize, wait, I'm being loud. They might notice me. <laughs> <laughs> and they notice me. And, like, his celebration stops. And I think I've apologized to him for this. But if not, I apologize. I did not mean to steal your thunder. You're awesome. <laughs> no, that's okay. You were being loud. You were excited, too. I, I you know, it, this sounds silly. It wasn't about me at that moment. It was watching him come in was just absolutely amazing. I was more than happy to wait and take my turn. Right, um, that's what I mean. You were excited. Yeah, you know? and so and so I came in and you know again instantly enveloped in the love and care of this trail running community. Yeah, um, and. The fact that I can still barely hold back tears thinking about it, and we are. 100 days past that happening tells you it was a, it was a special moment. It was a big deal. Yeah. I mean, it was it was a, and you know the funniest part was um Colin was just excited about it as well. He he told me that's like one of the first things he told me. He's like, "Hey, did you hear that Macbeth ran 50k?" <laughs> you know, in in that Colin way. "Hey, did you hear?" <laughs> I love him. <laughs> he was so excited. That was cool. I mean, so that's much. That's a much better story than. So instead of doing one loop of the Finger Lakes Trail, I did two loops of the Finger yeah, Lakes Trail. Yeah, no, it makes for a great story. Well, and it's cool. I'm I'm really happy that you did it. But after that, you still weren't sure that you were, uh, as you'd say, an ultra runner, right? Because no. you walked a 50k. Yeah. So, as you said, this whole self-doubt thing came along. I'm, I'm, I'm good at self-doubt. I think, I think that's the human remit, to be good at self-doubt. Mm-hmm. We like to think we're you know, our own special people that are different from everyone else. And, oh, I'm the only one that doubts myself as much. Um, so, yeah, there was, there was a concern about me walking. Um, you know, I, I, in my head, it's like, I'm not really an ultra runner. I, could, I ultra walked this thing. Um, and then... You know, even stupid stuff like, uh, I just brain farted. I apologize. Stupid things like, you know, well, I didn't get lost. That's part of ultra running. Or, you know, I didn't cramp. I didn't have, you know, I didn't throw up anywhere. I didn't cry. Well, I I did cry. Let's, so I got that one in. Um, You know, all all these things that are part of the more wide, I am an ultra runner experience. Mm -hmm. Um. It, it, it was easy to doubt myself. It was easy to convince myself that it was a fluke that I did this because everything lined up perfectly. Right. Um, and I had a community that I love around me and that it couldn't happen again. Okay. And, and, and in a bit, you know, as, as, as things continued through the year, you know, you come off of an ultra run, you're fairly broken, especially your first time for a distance. And so, you know, I came off that and I had, you know, about a day of 
riding high on the hormones and emotions. And then the body starts saying, hey, wait a minute, what did you do to me, you crazy fool? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, the, the, the damage and pain that I had in the legs and in the feet and, you know, shoulders from carrying the pack and all the rest was just. Mm-hmm. So you had that part of the ultra running experience I did. as well. I and, did. And it sounds like you had a little bit of the ultra blues as well. Yeah, I, I, I started probably offending ladies everywhere. I started comparing it to a postpartum depression. And I, I, I'm i sure the pain isn't comparable, but I wonder if the uh, causes aren't in some well, places. Th- there are some people that have written about that where it's a big, special life-changing thing yeah there's this big event and then it's done yeah it's over with and like oh did i did i enjoy it enough did i appreciate it enough was i living in the moment enough (laughs) you know right you start asking yourself all those things and you go no i didn't there was that time when i complained about the hill and i could have just ran up that hill and just enjoyed it but i didn't because i'm a big dummy (laughs) you know yeah start going down that that's part of ultra running as well too you know so you had that yeah i had little bits and pieces there and so that was april 1st april 2nd yeah and then so you had three months Mm -hmm. uh and then you came upon finger legs 50s yep now this is your intentional 50 this is this is my intentional 50k um National Forest, my father, Forest Service, um, beautiful trails. You know, it's, I'd, I'd hiked them before with scouts. I'd hiked it before with family. It was, you know, it's fairly flat. Um, mm-hmm. it, you know, it was kind of, as Ron described, it's a great beginner, 50K. Um, as long as you can tolerate mud. And as long as you can tolerate mud and heat and biting flies. And cow poop. And barking dogs and fireworks. And cow poop. And cow poop. Lots of cow poop. Mm-hmm. Holy! <laughs> right. Yeah. So, and you did that one. Yeah. Okay. So, you want to talk about that one, or you want to just talk about after that one? You want, uh, well, was it fun? Was it entertaining? Was it was it fun. It was entertaining. It was awesome. Um, I ran a lot of it. I mean, <laughs> honest, honest go. to goodness, I probably made it. Well, no, I honestly did. You know, six miles into the run, I'm hitting my second aid station. And I'd already run more than I'd run the entirety of the Palmer's Pond. Yeah. Um, and the calf was working out fine. The Achilles was working oh, out fine. It's absolutely amazing. Um, I, I I felt completely healed for that thing. Um, the, the, you know, there were the moments of the tired and the exhaustion and, you know, Dan LaPotta running in my head, tired's not an injury. <laughs> um, but uh, I ran a lot of it. It was incredibly dry. Um, there, there's places there where you've got these springs uphill. And so just, even if it hasn't rained for months, there's parts of the trail that are normally muddy and it was not rock solid everywhere, but pretty darn close. It was as dry as you could possibly imagine the Finger Lakes trails to be. Um, the weather was absolutely perfect. I think it hit a high of 73 that day, started around 55. So again, you know, there's the, there's the self-doubt starting to creep in. So now I've done two ultras, but they've both had perfect weather. So what? (laughs) (laughs) I'm hoping to fight the, uh, doubt a little more this time, but honest to goodness, I came off of that thing and I was looking around. I was like, okay, now I finished two. Am I just inured? Cause I didn't finish this one crying. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I didn't have that. I didn't feel like I had that crazy huge endorphin rush and happiness rush. I was happy, 
And what I didn't realize is that I still had it. It was just kind of this slow burn thing because, you know, that whole very next, that whole next week. Um, so that was a Saturday. Uh, that next Monday, my boy had his very first 10K. Um, I ran out and ran strides with him. So I'm, you know, I'm sprinting with him on roads, which not bad after a 50K. Yeah. Um, I, I was running what for me is a really respectable trail speed that Wednesday morning with Ben. Um, I, honest to goodness, I was just, I'm healed <laughs> kind of a moment. Um, you know, I've since come crashing down a little bit from there and know, yeah, you're not completely healed, but it's, it's been a, it's been a really great week and a half of feeling good and a little more validated and a little more sure of myself that I didn't have before. A little bit more comfortable in this new skin. A little more comfortable with my new skin. Of course, then the next question that people ask is, you know, are you stepping up in distance? I don't know. No, you don't have to do that. I don't want to so, that, so that's the piece where you don't necessarily have to give in to the peer pressure. Yeah. Right? Like um, my first ultra was 100K because yeah. of the race. I Be- still don't know how. Because of the We're going to talk about that in a mm. second because I, you, you, yeah. So, but it was the race. It wasn't that, ooh, I need to do 100K. If that race was a 60K, I still would have done that race. You yeah. know what I mean? So, I don't I don't think where people say, okay, so you did 50K, time to do a 50 miler. You well, know? and I was purposely skipping the trail marathon just because there was no trail. Okay, so the, the Goose Adventure went over at Ontario Summit. I'd like to do someday. But there's really no trail marathon that I look at and say, ooh, I really want to do that. You know, there was a 50K. And so... You know, going for me, going from 16 miles is my record at the 25k. You know, the the finger legs 25k, jumping straight to the 50k made sense for me. You know, there wasn't anything in between that I cared about. Yeah, so pick races that you like, you yeah. know, and go run those races. So, um, so twisted branch. Yeah. So getting into, um, this idea of service. Mm-hmm. You've been known to be found at a lot of aid stations. Been, We're working on it. Yeah, you've been known to be found in an aid station or two. Now you're sort of stepping up your game a little bit, in my view. <laughs> you're going out and you're doing recon on the course yeah. that you're going to be doing the aid station on, going up ahead, scouting the terrain, going for hikes and camps, and yeah. being able to provide a better service at the aid station. Now, I talk up our aid station volunteers in this area. I say we got some of the most experienced aid station people. They don't even have to have run an ultra, but they're in the community. They're at the tents. They're around. You're raising that bar. I don't know. It's a real revelation to watch the Lapadas run an aid station. Mm -hmm. I learned an awful lot watching them at Cayuga this year. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, so last year, last year we volunteered to run with Valone um, the Bud Valley campground which is the aid station where you get to pick up crew and you get to pick up. So it's, it's probably one of the, I haven't seen a lot of the others. It's probably got to be one of the biggest because, you know, lots oh, of parking. It's, a, it's an absolute festival. It's the yeah. second, second city there. Yeah. yeah. You, you, you get to pick up the help there. You get to pick up pacers. You got crew. You've got all sorts of help there. Um, so we, we volunteered to do it last year. We camped down there at that air quote campsite. Um, it's a lovely place. Just not my, my kind of camping. Um, and then we ran the aid station the next day. Uh, we really hadn't done a lot of aid stations before. We were fairly new to it. And within half an hour of runners starting to come through, our uh, our little cheat sheets about what was coming up disappeared. 
no idea what happened to them. So we didn't have maps. We didn't have distances. And so people would come in and say, well, what's next? I don't know. And, you know, we felt really bad saying I don't know, but we really didn't know. We knew it was about six mile, six and a half miles to the next station mm-hmm. and that there were probably some hills in between because this is, you know, Twisted Branch and there might be some hills on the there's, course. There's a, few, there's a few hills. And so, um, you know, I, I, I was talking to um, – um, the RD's got a uh, volunteer coordinator this year and I don't remember his name. Um, and I was talking to him about things that we could change about the aid stations this year. And I mentioned us having lost the maps. And um, while I was talking to him, I, I, I don't know if he brought it up or if I realized that, you know, an easy solution was just to go check it out. I mean, what better way to know what's coming than actually put your feet on it and find out? Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess last weekend I had a blank weekend and went down and did it. And I, I got in a lot of ex- – I've been on the Finger Lakes Trail enough to know that it can be gnarly, but I got a lot of extra respect out of the tr- – on the Twisted Branch people for that thing because I couldn't imagine after putting nearly 40 miles on your legs confronting those three hills. Yeah, so the first hill out isn't so bad, right? Right right outside it's, of the campground. Right. It's it's okay, and then it gets all gnarly and rooty for a while, and then you yeah. hit, like, this big gravel path. Yeah, the elevation's not so no, bad. No, 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 it's not an elevation And, thing. and you, yeah, just yeah. Pick up, you just pick up your pacer. You can eat a little bit oh, and yeah. sort of shake, help. shake your legs out a little bit, but then you hit the, you hit the road. Yeah. And the road is whatever. You feel like you should be running fast, but then you realize you got 40 miles on your legs. Right. The guys up front. They love that stuff. They just eat it up. Me, I'm like, okay, let's take this nice 930s, you know, just down the hill. Yeah. But then you get you go through the backyard. Those people, by the way, um, during the race, they had uh, pitchers of water and they had the hose out. Oh, okay. And so they had the table there and they're like, hose yourself off or grab yeah. some water, you know. But then you go into those woods. Yeah. And that's... And then it just goes up. Right. That's about mile 42. That's where your first real climb happens um after bud valley you know that's your first big one that one's that one's pretty gnarly yeah it's 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 long and it's steep and it yep i don't remember a lot of twisty turny but it was long and steep and you know i I didn't have 40 miles on my legs at that point i had like Mm -hmm. three and a half but i was still recovering from an ultra and i was tired i was there were moments where like you know let's just stop and look at the trees um I want to find out a little bit about that lean-to on the left. That thing is beautiful, and it's yeah. listed on the maps as private, and there's a yeah. big, you know, no trespassing sign. Yeah, I know, and it's got it's got a tablecloth with water right. always set out there. They got a they got a porta potty. I did I did use the porta potty, and during one of our training runs, I you know I felt they would appreciate that more than yeah. the alternative. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it does look like private property, like it's somebody's. Uh, it's so inviting. I feel like oh, yeah. it's it's almost like Wiley Coyote's trap for the road runner. <laughs> you know, like it yeah. feels very much like that. But on the other hand, the lean to's on the Finger Lakes Trail maps, so I, I can't imagine them putting it on there without there being some mechanism to contact the landowners or. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's not like it's far enough from the road to really warrant. Oh, I've walked. No, yeah, and you got the little cemetery. Yeah, there, that's right? cool. Yeah. So it's like it feels it's very interesting. But um, yeah, so you're out doing recon on the course. Yeah. You're going to run an aid station. Yeah. Um, 
you have run your own set altars. You know, I, I think you can start. You're on a, you're on a podcast about running now. I think you can start to feel a little validated here in 2016. Well, so I've got three stickers on the back of my car. Um, I've got the Palmer's Pond 50K. I've got um, Finger Lakes 50. Stickers for that? Yeah, you can get stickers. I didn't know he did stickers for that. Yeah, That's they're cool. they're pretty nice. Huh. Wow. Maybe you should contact them. And um, Palmer's Pond 50K. Oh, I'm sorry. The Palmer's Pond 50K sticker did not come from Colin. I'm trying to remember who it was. It's one of, I hate to call it HBO's crew because they're not really separate from everyone else, but it was one of hers. I'm trying to remember what her name is. And we were, we were at a, we were at a party and she just showed up with this envelope of stickers and was handing them out to everyone that was there. Um, so Beth got one and very cool. Yeah. And so I, I put that on my car real quick. So Palmer's Pond, I've got the Finger Lakes 50 and then I've got, uh, the running inside out sticker. And wow. well, thank you for so making me part of it in my head in the last hundred days. I, although all three stickers have been on my car for a little while, I've earned each of yeah. those stickers cause I got the Palmer's Pond. I finally don't have to say, you know, I'd say I, I've run the Finger Lakes 50. Well, I only did the 25 K. I don't have to put that caveat in there anymore. Yeah. And now here I am on your magic podcast. Well, so our, our magic podcast, our magic podcast <laughs> of fun and happiness. Yeah. Um, so, all right. So what then? What's next? Zero SPF again this year. All um, right. Why is running the aid station again? What am I going to do? I may as well run the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll be at the finish line aid station. Well, good for you. <laughs> aid stationing the finish line. I'm pretty sure that's when we met face-to-face last year. Mm-hmm. Was, that the, was that the SPF finish line? At the SPF finish line. I, 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 you had started your podcast already, and I had been listening to it with Dan Lapata. Mm-hmm. Thanks to Dan Lapata. Um, but I think that's when we met face-to-face. Yeah, I, I think so. And then I proceeded to see you at every race yeah. since then. <laughs> and um, the... Uh, and then I guess the week after Zero SPF, my, my friend and I, uh, after the, uh, the, the panel that was run over at MedFed with Natalie and uh, Kendra and all the rest, Scotty. Mm-hmm. Scotty was on the panel, right? Yep, yeah. Scotty, Doreen. Yep. Yep. Okay, so all of them on the panel, Olga. Um, and John. And John. One of the things that was brought up was this crazy sport called the Rogaine, um, which is a, essentially ultra for, for orienteering. That sounds kind of like fun. It sounds right up your alley. And so, yeah, in um, I guess in two Saturdays, we're going down and we're doing the short form, which is a six-hour Rogaine um, down near Virgil. Um, I have wow. no idea what's in store because they'll hand you the map, you know, an hour before gun time. It's going to be a little bit of climbing in there, you can be certain. Going to be a little bit of climbing. Um, this will be the first, you know, self-supported long mm-hmm. distance, really. Wow, that's going to be cool. So, and it, and the Rogaine is the idea of points. You got to go find. Certain yeah. So they 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 put out over I don't know how many townships, like probably a hundred of these things of uh, uh, orienteering markers. And what you have is you have a fixed length of time to go nab as many as you want. You're not allowed to get aid anywhere than back at base station. <clears throat> And so I, so they've got a six-hour option, a 12-hour option, and a 24-hour option. Um, I'm taking the six-hour option because I'm not crazy. <laughs> um, Yet. You know, it's a new sport. <laughs> um, a friend of mine that I've got, he was always addicted to trails, but I've got running now with our Wednesday morning group. Uh, him and I are going out and doing this. Wow, that sounds fun. Yeah, you're required to do it as a team. 
Okay. Yeah. That's, you know, in case somebody falls in a well or something. Yeah. You know, you know, with jumping clear back to the triathlon thing, you know, I always appreciated the sports were in the uh, decreasing amount of danger if you fell over while participating in that sport. <laughs> you know, you start with swimming, you fall over, you're dead. <laughs> Bicycle, it's road rash. Running, you know, it's just embarrassing. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I never thought of it that way. They should... That you, it would be a bad idea to have the swim at the end. I think it would be a horrible idea. <laughs> okay, well, that's cool. And then you'll be at Twisted Branch, aid stationing it up. Oh, we're, yeah. Let me think here. So we've got the Rogaine. What's August 6th? Um, that's Mosquito. Mighty Mosquito. We'll be at Mighty Mosquito all Saturday, helping out there. The 13th is some other event. <laughs> We're going through the Macbeth family calendar oh, it's, right it's, now. It's horrible. We looked at the summer. My wife decided this is the summer of Jeff. When I decided that I was going to do a 50K, we just kind of gave up and decided this was my year. We looked. I think I end up sleeping in my bed on a Friday night two weeks out of the entire summer because we're off camping That's getting cool, ready bro. for some event. Hey, you're carrying on the family tradition. Yeah, absolutely. Know? I do not remember what's on the 13th. The 20th is Twisted Branch. Um, 13th might be the Rochester try, and I'm trying, I'm arguing with myself still. I might want to go back and try to beat my personal record for the Olympic length, or I might want to take an off week because our family will be exhausted. <laughs> yeah, well, they can watch. It's not exhausting to watch, yeah. you know. All right. So, wrapping up with our, our new tradition here, our, okay. new, our Patreon Uh-oh. lightning round questions. Um, okay. So, we don't have many because our Patreons are not very good at asking questions yet. We're work- I've noticed that. We're working on this. <laughs> okay. So, the first one is um, odd. Um, cloak or a dagger? I've never been much into LARPing, <laughs> so I'm going to have to go with dagger because I am a Scot. Oh, okay. Well, um, I thought you... know. You got oh. the traditional one under the armpit and one on the ankle. There you go. I felt like maybe you would say cloak because, you know, you could, you're not a violent man and you could wear a I, cloak. I'm, I'm not, um, but I don't really see myself as an elf. Um, I'm more of a dwarf kind of a guy. You're too tall to <laughs> I'm be. I'm too tall to be a dwarf, which is, you know, what's messed up about that. But, you know, the here I go rambling. The the. Huge Tolkien nerd. I apologize to everybody, but there's that. Don't apologize for being. Nerd, that, it's the nerd's day, man. Don't yeah. apologize. It is a good time to be a nerd. Um, much better than high school. <laughs> so there, there's that. There's that bit where they're all they're all trying to go over the the snowy mountain, and you've got Boromir and Aragorn just kind of plowing through the snow, like, yeah. and then, and then you have uh, Legolas just dancing across the top. I am not Legolas by any stretch of the <laughs> imagination. And I look, I look at some of the runners that we get to hang out with, and they totally are. I see them, I swear, just walking across the top of mud and snow, and I don't know how they do it, and it's really impressive. I'm the guy that just shoves his way through and finishes a 50K at Palmer's Pond. <laughs> hey, finish the 50K, that's what yeah. matters. So that's why no cloak. Okay. Plus LARPing's for nerds. (laughs) (laughs) The bigger nerds. (laughs) Okay. um, So then the the second question, um, what board game are you playing the most right now? Um, Actually, the one we're playing the most right now is Pandemic Legacy. Um, I don't... So... I know Pandemic. Yeah. So there is a offshoot of board gaming that's really popular right now with both the players and the companies um, where you have the best way to describe it is an expendable game. Uh, it's a game that you get to play through a couple times and then it's kind of done. 
Um, and what they're doing to make that happen is that there's a there's a story that's being told as you play the as you play the game repeatedly, and that's modifying the game. Um, it first started with a game with Risk, which I think a lot of people are familiar with. They came out with this game called Risk Legacy. And it started off with this really simple game. It was just, you know, capture the capital of two other people, you win. Um, but then as you accomplish different things, I'm going to keep explaining risk here for a second. But like, you know, if, if you're the, the first time that anyone ever places, let's say, 15 troops as a reinforcement, they open this sealed package that's inside the box. And inside that sealed package is a couple additional rules or a sticker that gives your character special powers for the rest of the times you play this game. And so it's what's called a legacy game. So you can't oh. open that package for the first time ever again. Right, right. And so, and, and there's points where you're making decisions. It's like, well, which, which rule do you want? And the other one gets torn up and destroyed. Um, and so in the end, what you've done with your group is you've built up this sequence of plays of this same game and you've built up a story together and there's a history associated with everything that's going on. Um, and so what they've the same guy went off and did the same thing with the game Pandemic, which is where um, you're all workers for the CDC. You're trying to keep the world from being destroyed by uh, diseases. Yeah, and um, it's a cooperative game. It's a cooperative so you're game. Not, you're not trying to beat each other. You're trying to beat the game. Yep. And so, um, again, as you, you play this game and uh, you're opening up packets as you accomplish different things. Like, so like say you manage to cure a disease, then all of a sudden you have these changes that happen in the game. Or let's say you lose and fail to cure a disease. Maybe all of a sudden the game gets harder, the game gets easier. Um, and so as these packets open up, there's like this diverging storytelling going on. Um, it's a lot of fun. It's really different from a lot. Board games is a real... I'm, seri- I'm a serial amateur. Board games is one of those addictions that I've had. Um, it's not just... It's not just sorry and Monopoly. There's a lot of really, really good stuff out there and um, a lot of innovation and fun stuff to learn. And for introverts like me, it's a very non-threatening um, way to interact with other human beings. Right, because you focus the energy on the game rather yeah. than on the people, Yeah. right? Yeah. Okay, so um, I've played, you know, I've played pandemic mm-hmm. um i haven't played a lot of the newer creative games um so my board gaming stopped for a while um and i'm i'm filling space here as i try to remember the one game that sort of got me back into new games but i stopped playing um it's the card game where you put all the res- it started as a japanese game where you build an amusement park you put all the resources in the middle um again it's it's not a cooperative game but our echo. No. So you are you're rolling a die and you're buying like wheat fields or you're buying like a cafe. And so if somebody somebody rolls that number, you collect that many coins and you have to ultimately you're building six landmarks in the airport. Um, oh, boy. I, you wow. Know, I'm you, usually good at this game. No, you you know the game. Trust me. Ah, this is going to be so It sounds hard. a little bit like Settlers of Catan, but it's not. Right. And it, it's friendlier than Settlers yeah. of Catan. Um, except for there's a few purple cards that are evil. Machi Coral? Yes, it's okay. Machi Coral. Okay. That's it. So I'm normally a lot faster at naming <laughs> that tune with board games. But so Machi Coral sort of got me back into mm-hmm. new games again. Yeah. But it's hard when all I'm doing is running and being the dad and 
Um, so we sometimes will end up playing like Rummy Cube. Yeah. That's the game we'll default to because we could pick it up and put it oh, yeah. down. You know, grew up playing that one. But yeah, see, that's the thing. It's you know, I'm like, oh, I play new games now, but I we really don't. So I have Pandemic and Machi Caro. Those are the two new games I have. Well, so. you'd probably been horrified if we'd end up doing this at my house because it's just a disaster. Just games falling all over no, the place. That's, that's a good thing. You it, know? it is a good thing, and we have a lot of fun with that. Yeah, there's a lot of cool games that I wish like that. Um that I hope that I can learn to play so that I can play with my kids. But I think there's a, there is a mindset that you have to get into. There is a skill to quickly learning board game rule sets. And it's sort of like a willingness to go into it, knowing like we're going to play through this once and learn the game. Yeah. Please don't be frustrated if you don't know what happens next, because that's part of the game. Yeah. You know, so absolutely, um, I've I've been to quite a few board game conventions, and so at, so you know people tend to have their own board gaming groups. Listeners of the podcast are not surprised at this point right now. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, you know people tend to have their board game groups at home, and you know they bring people in, they teach them board games, and then you know th- they all go home again. And you know these board game conventions is typically all the teachers of the board games that end up going to this because they're the ones that are addicted. You know they're the ones trying to get everyone else in. And so it's really bizarre. You'll go to the you'll go to these conventions and you'll sit down and there'll be five. You know these are five people. They typically all like yellow because no one else in the real world likes yellow. And so they always pick that last color. But now they're all used to yellow and they sit down at the table. It's like, well, I want yellow too. And um, the rules explanation is crazy. Because what they'll do is say, this piece is just like this game. This piece is just like that game. This auction is from this other game. Yep. And, you know, they'll, you'll teach these thick rule books in five minutes and then you'll be off. Just by and it's, association. Yeah, you know, it's, you know, with every little niche piece of knowledge, you get this special language. And board games gets that same thing where you can really do that quick association and say, it's just like that. And all of a sudden this whole rule section just slots into your head and off you go. And, you've, you know, I, it's funny because we were... We were um, in Lake Placid, and we were talking mm-hmm. about um, Laura Howard had just climbed her first high peaks or whatever, and yeah. she was, you know, we started, you know, just a group of us, and we started talking about the trails up to Algonquin, and we're like, oh, yeah, this part is just like the Finger Lakes Trail over <laughs> by Muddy Sneaker, and oh, yeah. this part is just like the Finger Lakes Trail, and and so I feel like we sort of do that sort of same thing with trail running. Yeah. You know, oh, the Crescent Trail is like this, and Menden is like that. And then you can start to associate things relative to Menden. Oh, this is like the 10K loop in Menden. It's about 1,000 feet for six yeah. miles, you know. And but, I don't know. So maybe it's similar. No, I, 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 I certainly think we do that. I remember one time we were talking about the section of Crescent Trail from, shoot, uh, right after Woodcliffe is, starts with an M, Mosley, from Mosley to Turk Hill. And, you know, I run, th- I th- run through that section of my head, and I think it's fairly fine. It's got about as much elevation change as the section right below. It's just hidden more in rollies rather than, you know, big climb, flat, big drop. You know, I remember talking to someone about it, and, you know, we were making these kind of comparisons, and we're all doing these, you know, mental pictures in our head, and we know exactly what we're all talking about. Right. Yeah. It can be intimidating for somebody to try to get in. Yeah. Yeah. That, 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 that mental picture ends up being really, really helpful with orienteering because you end up looking at this abstract map and then you've got to tr- transform those symbols in your head into what you're seeing around you. And that's how you're really finding where you are. Is, okay, there's a, you know, a creek 300 feet off to my right and all those kinds of things. That's how you know where you are because there's no way that you're going to keep 
your compass and everything all around and just right, unless you're doing, you know, like the Barclay when you have to do that kind of stuff or else because um, the maps are that crappy. I think that's the I, – obviously the, the, the terrain stuff of Barclay is what makes it hard. But having an inaccurate map from all the stuff that I've read has to be a big burden on people. I mean, every time you read a race report, there's creeks all over the place that are not on the map. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just begging for people to get lost that don't know that's – that don't I, know the I area. Think I think it's absolutely begging for people to get lost. I yeah. think that's part of its charm. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to get better. So I, I accuse the Patreon, you know, people of not being able to ask good questions. I'm going to get better at actually executing a lightning round. I think <laughs> I think I did it really well with Dan Lopata. And, yeah. You know, we was, got we got him in and out of the lightning round, but. Uh, I we rambled. Didn't, we didn't get well. We didn't get to talk about board games in the main thrust. It's not part of the show, so we got to do it at the end of, you know, when we start the board game podcast. Although I'd be there so, are a lot of board game podcasts. Yeah, and I'd be severely out of my element in that one. Yeah, so. might be a good thing for you. You know, um, there's that whole. I think this is coming again from Adam Savage, but talking about. One of the things that he's been trying to do is write down what he expects before he goes into a new situation. So then after he goes through it, you can look back and see how different it is. Kind of that, Mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. And I, I kind of wish that I had done that with these, with these 50 K's, just write down what I was expecting and fearing so that when I, when I hit the other side and I was transformed into a new person, um, I would understand who I was before and what has changed. Well, you keep a couple blogs, right? So. I, I have started one. I started, I started a personal blog with the Palmer's Pond just because I knew I needed to be writing down what I was thinking and feeling. Mm. Okay. Um, I thought you had had one before that, but yeah. I guess not. No, but they're all, no. but they're right. after the fact so far. That's all right. You, you'll have another one in the future, I and w- then you write it down then. Yeah. All right. Anything else you want to chat about? No. Lots right. of things, but you know, <laughs> time's a wasting. Well, we can do that after this. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, thanks. Thank you. This is awesome. So, Jeff had a 20-minute uh, PR at Zero SPF this year. Being a 14-mile-ish uh, race, that's about a minute and a half per mile faster. Not too bad. If you take a look at the episode notes for this week, which are at www.runninginsideoutpodcast.com slash 034, you can see a finish line picture with him and his family. You can also find all manner of links and tidbits of things we talked about, like his blog, that internet meme of the introvert in a bubble, the famed Utah teapot, and all the board games we mentioned. You know, in case you're looking for some of those... um, non-running things we discussed. Uh, I really enjoyed talking with Jeff, and I hope that his story sticks with you if maybe you feel like you have moments of self-doubt, think you might not be a real runner, or you're just looking for that little extra bit of motivation to get outside or give someone a kind word. The world would be a much better place if we all exercised a little bit more thoughtfulness and caring like Mr. Macbeth. So, I want to give a heartfelt thank you to Jeff for taking his time to share with us. All right, let's talk about Patreon for a minute. If you uh, look forward to Fridays, not just because your long runs are coming, but because of a new episode of the podcast is dropping into your podcast player or your web browser or your whatever it is you're listening on, 
please consider checking out the Patreon page and becoming a supporter. I look forward to putting this out each week, and I'm happy that you look forward to it. So your contributions help me continue making and improving this podcast. Patreon supporters also get early access to who is upcoming on the podcast, behind-the-scenes photos of recordings, and occasional outtakes from episodes. Additionally, Patreon supporters will be getting early access to a limited edition run of podcast t-shirts. Yep, that's right. We're going to do some shirts. It will uh, initially be one of those small batch limited run deals, but uh, I hope it will become a mainstay in the store. But Patreon supporters will get first crack at them very shortly. Not a Patreon supporter? Don't worry. You can hop in right now, um, or maybe after you're finished running, uh, and uh, become a supporter and get that early access and all those other fun things, and knowing that you're helping support the show carry on forever and always and all that stuff. So thank you for your support and your consideration, and please know that any amount helps. Thank you. Lastly, check out the website, again, at www.runningintsideoutpodcast.com slash 034 to find the aforementioned episode notes and links to the Facebook page, the Strava Run Group, and the Amazon referral banner. Thank you all for listening, subscribing, telling your friends, and getting out there to create new stories. And with that, be thankful for what you've been given, be proud of what you've achieved, and let go of what you've lost. See you out there.